On July 20th, 1973, actress Betty Ting Pei was in her Hong Kong apartment. She was waiting for movie star Bruce Lee to wake up from an evening nap. Earlier during his visit, Bruce had complained of a headache, so she wanted to give him time to rest. But they had business dinner plans with Raymond Chow and Bruce's friend, actor George Lazenby. Around 8.15 p.m., the phone rang. On the other end of the line was Raymond. He asked if the pair was heading to the restaurant soon. Betty told him to carry on without them. She didn't think Bruce felt up to it. After another hour or so passed, Betty went to check on the actor. She touched him to try and wake him. But Bruce didn't budge. Betty ran to the phone and called the restaurant to reach Raymond. Sobbing, she told him that something was wrong with Bruce. The producer rushed immediately back to her home. When he arrived, Betty pointed Raymond to the bedroom. There, he found the star lying still on the mattress. Betty called a doctor, but it was too late. The 32-year-old global icon was already dead. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our one-part episode on the death of Bruce Lee. The martial artist was on the verge of Hollywood superstardom when he died in 1973. Many couldn't understand how a man as young and healthy as Bruce could pass away so suddenly. In this episode, we'll explore the key moments surrounding the actor's death. Then, we'll analyze two conspiracy theories related to his passing. Some believe that Bruce suffered from a family curse. Others say the inquest into his death was a sham, and that Bruce Lee died as the result of a risky surgery he underwent for his career. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash conspiracy. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Bruce Lee always dreamed of being the biggest movie star in the world. Although in the 1960s, a goal like this felt ambitious to Bruce, who grew up in Hong Kong. But that didn't stop him from trying. Over the decade, Bruce worked as a martial arts instructor in Seattle, Washington and Oakland, California. Ever the rebel, he rejected traditional kung fu techniques and instead made a name for himself with his own style of fighting, called Jeet Kune Do. His brash manner and incredible moves caught the attention of several casting directors. Soon, Bruce was chosen to play a lead role in the television series The Green Hornet. It was through this experience that Bruce formed a business relationship with Hong Kong producer Raymond Chow. Raymond loved Bruce's charm and bravado, but he knew there was a shortage of roles for Bruce in Hollywood. He believed the actor would have way more success back in their home country. So Raymond offered to bring Bruce back to Hong Kong to star in films there. It was a smart move for the aspiring actor. In the early 1970s, Bruce released hit after hit. He became the lead in classics like Fist of Fury, The Big Boss, and The Way of the Dragon. By 1972, Bruce was Hong Kong's brightest star but he still longed to conquer Hollywood. And by the end of that year, he got his chance. Warner Brothers agreed to finance his next movie, Enter the Dragon, and release it internationally. For the next several months, Bruce toiled over the film. He spent hours editing the script, toning his body, and choreographing the fight scenes. But the process took a physical toll. In 1973, Bruce was barely sleeping or eating. The star's weight had dropped to 120 pounds. Still, he refused to slow down, no matter what the cost. On May 10th, 1973, Bruce showed up to dub a few lines of dialogue at a Hong Kong studio. It was hot and humid that day, but audio engineers turned off the air conditioner so it wouldn't interfere with the recording. The room got hotter as Bruce performed his lines. Over time, his head started to ache and he grew woozy. Bruce took a break and went straight to the bathroom. Inside one of the stalls, Bruce turned to the one vice that steadied his nerves, cannabis. According to Matthew Pauly's biography, Bruce Lee, A Life, he was wary of alcohol and tobacco, but he enjoyed smoking marijuana and eating hash-infused sweets. He would tell people that it calmed him down and expanded his mind. It was illegal in Hong Kong, but he felt it was harmless. Even though, at this point in his career, he was consuming it quite often. After a few minutes, Bruce returned to the recording studio, pale and covered in sweat. 
He kept reading his lines, but before he could get far, Bruce fell to the ground. He vomited and his body convulsed. The engineers froze, unsure of how to help the seemingly invincible star. An assistant ran to alert Raymond Chow. Together, the studio team carried Bruce to Raymond's car and took him to the nearest hospital. Bruce's wife, Linda, arrived a few minutes after he was admitted. She was terrified to learn that her husband couldn't move or speak. A neurosurgeon diagnosed Bruce with a condition known as cerebral edema, or the swelling of the brain. If left untreated, the condition could be life-threatening. Luckily, Bruce was in good hands. The doctor gave Bruce medication to reduce the swelling and pressure. After more than two hours, he finally regained consciousness. By the next day, Bruce was back to his usual self. The neurosurgeon who treated Bruce blamed the collapse on the actor's frequent hash use. But at the time, Hong Kong's medical field didn't have much experience or knowledge when it came to marijuana. So, Bruce traveled to the United States, where he felt he could get a stronger second opinion. In Los Angeles, a neurologist examined the 32-year-old further. He said Bruce's brain was functioning normally and that he appeared to be in good physical condition. The California doctor wrote off the collapse as a seizure with no known cause. Bruce took the second diagnosis as a clean bill of health. He resumed his normal regimen, shooting at the studio during the day and staying up late to work on his next project. It wasn't long until Bruce's hectic schedule ran him into the ground. Those that spent time with the actor said he looked exhausted and emaciated. Still, he kept up this tiring routine. Bruce was confident that enormous success was waiting for him just around the corner. In fact, he was so sure Enter the Dragon would be a hit that he began planning his next movie, Game of Death. On July 20th, 1973, just two months after his collapse at the studio, Bruce planned a dinner in Hong Kong with a friend and actor he wanted to hire. His name was George Lazenby, and he'd been the second actor to play James Bond. Before the meal, Bruce spent the day with actress Betty Ting Pei to offer her a role in Game of Death. She also happened to be his secret mistress. The two ate hash and made love. Then, a few hours before dinner, Raymond joined the two at Betty's apartment. The three passed the time developing the story for Game of Death. The more they discussed, the more enthusiastic Bruce became. He leapt from the couch, acting out every scene. An hour and a half later, the sweat-covered Bruce grew dizzy. The actor said he had a headache and needed to lie down. Raymond thought this was just an excuse to get some alone time with Betty. So the producer offered to pick up Lazenby and meet the couple at the restaurant. Once he left, Betty gave Bruce some prescription pain medication called Equigesic. He threw the pills back, undressed, and took a nap in Betty's bed. When the couple still hadn't made it to the restaurant by 8.15 p.m., Raymond called to check on them. Betty told him that Bruce was still asleep and that the two should eat without them. An hour later, Raymond called again to check on Bruce. That's when Betty tried to wake him up, but the actor wasn't moving. She called the restaurant to get Raymond. Raymond thought back to Bruce's collapse at the recording studio. 
Something had to be seriously wrong. He told Betty to wait, that he'd be there soon. Raymond sensed almost immediately that his friend had died. To complicate matters, the world-famous actor was in the apartment of his mistress. The whole thing was a scandal waiting to happen. If the press found out, it could destroy Bruce's reputation and negatively impact his future projects. The producer had to act fast, and the first thing he thought of was to move the superstar's body. Coming up, Raymond Chow covers up Bruce Lee's death. The I-5 Strangler, the Southside Dentist, the Berlin Butcher. Meet the many faces of evil in the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, take a journey through the origin, evolution, and madness of a real-life murderer, exploring the reasons why they lived to kill. Using extensive research and details you won't hear anywhere else, Serial Killers takes an in-depth look at the horrors beyond the headlines. With hundreds of episodes available to binge and new ones released weekly, get to know the killers, crimes, and cases that left an indelible stain on history. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On July 20th, 1973, Bruce Lee took a nap at his mistress's home and never woke up. When his friend and producer Raymond Chow reached the scene, he saw a tragedy and a scandal. Now, Raymond had to hide the truth from the media. He redressed the actor and realized they needed a doctor to come to examine Bruce. That way, the press would hear that doctors had declared the actor dead, not his producer and mistress. Raymond asked Betty to call her personal physician, Dr. Eugene Chu Po Wee, for help. Within minutes, Dr. Chu arrived at the scene. He knew there was no saving Bruce, but he could help them avoid controversy. Dr. Chu ordered paramedics to take Bruce to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. On the way, Raymond called Bruce's wife, Linda. He didn't tell her what happened, only that there was an emergency. In the intensive care unit, doctors went through the motions of trying to resuscitate Bruce. They likely knew the actor was gone, but this was Hong Kong's biggest celebrity. They weren't going to give up that easily. Physicians and nurses massaged the patient's chest, injected drugs, and defibrillated him. But nothing could bring Bruce back to life. They declared the actor dead shortly before 11.30 p.m. A few days later, an autopsy would reveal the cause was the same as before, cerebral edema. The press descended on the hospital. 
Everyone wanted to know how a physical marvel like Bruce Lee could die so young. To avoid a scandal, Raymond made sure that all the witnesses had their stories straight. And that included Linda. But that meant he had to tell her the truth about her husband's death, that Bruce had died at Betty Tingpei's apartment. Even though she was distraught over her spouse's infidelity, she knew the repercussions if the press found out, which is why she agreed to go along with the cover-up. The next day, Raymond released a statement. He claimed that Bruce Lee collapsed and died at his own home while walking with Linda in his garden. At first, the public bought the story, but the ruse only lasted for three days. A Hong Kong paper learned that Bruce had died in Betty Ting Pei's apartment and implied that the two were having an affair. In light of the coverage, Raymond adjusted his cover story. While he admitted Bruce knew Betty, he denied all extramarital activity. Instead, the producer only included the part of the night where they met with the actress to offer her a role in Game of Death. But the press wasn't sold. They didn't believe that Bruce and Betty were merely colleagues. Reporters interviewed other tenants in the actress's building who claimed that Bruce visited frequently. Their relationship seemed anything but platonic. With the dark truth exposed, the actor's adoring fan base turned vicious. They didn't believe that a healthy 32-year-old movie star died of natural causes. Instead, many blamed Betty for his passing. The actress received countless harassing calls and death threats. Some heard rumors that a hit had been taken out on her life. Betty sequestered herself in her apartment, terrified to show her face to the public, which only made matters worse. People demonstrated and carried signs that read, Betty killed Bruce. As the vitriol festered, the police in Hong Kong found suspicious-looking bags left out in public spaces. They were covered in Chinese characters that claimed Betty knew how Bruce died. Officials worried there might be bombs inside these packages, and they had good reason. According to Matthew Pauly's biography of Bruce Lee, the stunt reminded the British government of the 1967 riots. At the time, Hong Kong was still under British rule. Pro-communist demonstrations plagued the city as rebels planted bombs throughout the streets. At least 50 people died in the chaos. Luckily, the small packages pertaining to Betty and Bruce were nothing more than decoys. But authorities worried that if they didn't do something quickly, the violence would escalate. As a result, officials called for a full-scale inquest into the actor's demise. They had to put the rumors to bed once and for all. On September 3, 1973, hundreds gathered outside the Hong Kong courthouse to find out exactly what killed Bruce Lee. Over the course of the inquest, expert witnesses endorsed a new hypothesis. The actor had an allergic reaction to the prescription pain medication Betty had given him. It then caused a cerebral edema, or an intense swelling of the brain, which was what doctors listed as the official cause of Bruce's death. While a few medical experts claimed that a fatal reaction to aspirin was rare, it seemed to be the most likely catalyst. And the jury agreed. 
After only five minutes, they returned to the courtroom and declared Bruce's demise a death by misadventure. Meaning it wasn't due to foul play. It had been purely accidental. The verdict calmed the violence, but it left some fans unsatisfied. During his movie career, Bruce was known for his physical prowess and intense fitness regimen. He probably took pain medication often. Which is why many didn't buy this sudden, lethal reaction. They felt it had to be something more. Like an ancient family curse that didn't just take Bruce's life, but also his son's. Coming up, the conspiracy theories behind Bruce Lee's demise. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. Ever since his death in 1973, Bruce Lee's fans have wondered how the healthy 32-year-old could have died so suddenly. Many explanations have focused on his medical history or drug consumption, but some say the cause of his death might have been supernatural. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number one. Bruce Lee's family lives in the shadow of a family curse. Even before Bruce was born, the Lee family showed signs of misfortune. His mother gave birth to a boy who died in infancy, which apparently made Bruce's parents deeply superstitious. According to some online sources, Bruce's family suspected that an evil spirit had been targeting the males of their family. So, once they had Bruce, they didn't take any chances with their new son. Allegedly, he was given a traditionally female nickname, Siphon, meaning Little Phoenix. Perhaps they felt that maybe if the demons believed their child was a girl, they wouldn't punish him. Even Bruce's younger brother, Robert, wondered if evil had fallen upon the family. In a 1993 interview, Robert said he'd been warned about a curse by a Chinese feng shui master. Apparently, Robert and Bruce's father had been buried next to a young boy, which was said to be a bad omen. The master told Robert that if they didn't relocate his father's body or build a wall between him and the boy, more tragedy would come to the Lee family. Following Bruce's death, this theory was relatively unknown, 
but a moment in one of Bruce Lee's films cemented the conspiracy in the public lexicon. At the time of his passing in 1973, Bruce had already shot several scenes for Game of Death. While they did halt production, producer Raymond Chow eventually resumed shooting without Bruce. On March 23, 1978, Game of Death premiered in Hong Kong, and then in the U.S. on June 8, 1979. In the film, Bruce played an actor who was shot by a loaded prop gun. In the movie, it leads to a horrific moment on set. But 20 years later, a similar scene played out in real life. After Bruce's death, his son Brandon Lee followed in his dad's footsteps. In his early 20s, Brandon acted in mostly low-budget martial arts movies and TV shows. But in 1993, he secured the lead role in a major comic book adaptation film called The Crow. During an action scene, one of Brandon's co-stars was meant to fire a prop gun. A crew member told the co-star that the pistol was filled with blanks. But when the actor fired the prop gun at Brandon, a blank bullet was unknowingly lodged in the gun and flew out of the barrel with nearly the same force as a real bullet, striking the 28-year-old actor in the stomach. It was about two minutes before anyone on set realized what had happened. Once the crew saw that Brandon wasn't acting and was actually hurt, they rushed him to the hospital. Doctors attempted surgery, but it was too late. Within hours, Brandon died. Theorists couldn't ignore the similarities between Bruce's game of death scene and his son's terrible accident, which is probably why some people believe the Lees were plagued by some kind of curse. The family's history of loss is undoubtedly tragic, but I think we're looking for connections where there aren't any. Bruce's death isn't the only time a seemingly healthy young man died of an unexpected condition. As for Brandon, the unfortunate truth is a movie set is a dangerous place, and events like this have happened before. In October 2021, cinematographer Helena Hutchins lost her life after a prop gun was fired on the set of Rust which means safety issues like this are possible in Hollywood and need to be addressed on a production level, especially since they're still happening decades after Brandon's death. So on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the most believable, I give this theory a one. Absolutely, and while the connections are interesting, this theory is too far-fetched for me to believe. I think we often look for explanations in the supernatural just to feel like we have some sense of control. But the Lees both worked in a physically taxing, dangerous industry, so maybe their deaths weren't so coincidental after all. I have to give this theory a two. I think it's safe to say that evil spirits didn't play a part in Bruce's death, but that doesn't mean there wasn't more to the story. What many people didn't know was, a few months prior to his passing, Bruce underwent an incredibly risky surgery, and the consequences may have been fatal. Which brings us to our second conspiracy theory. Bruce Lee died of a simple heat stroke. In 2018, author Matthew Pauley released his extensive biography on Bruce Lee's life. In the book, Pauley makes the case for those who believe the inquest into Bruce's death was a sham. 
First, he noted that the British colonial government, which as we mentioned ruled Hong Kong at the time, wanted a verdict that quelled the violent protests. They likely didn't care about the truth. Polly also said the British government interfered with the proceedings to reach that conclusion. He alleged that authorities manipulated testimonies and swayed medical officials to influence the jury's decision. To further bolster his theory, Polly pointed to the fact that most experts couldn't agree on the cause of Bruce's death. Many attributed it to cannabis consumption, but others weren't so sure. In the middle of the trial, the courts delayed the proceedings and flew in an esteemed British pathologist named Robert Donald Tear. He was the one who said Bruce died of a hypersensitivity to equagesic, the pain relief pill the actor took for his headache. Soon enough, one of the three other medical experts in the inquest fell in line with Tear. After all, this conclusion was less likely to provoke more riots. But Polly didn't buy that explanation either. According to his interview with Betty, she claimed that this wasn't the first time he'd taken equagesic at her home. While the court asked Betty to testify twice, she only took the witness stand once, and her questioning was brief. Bruce's fans found it strange that the government didn't need to hear more from the chief witness in the case. The alleged tampering may have gone a step further, though. Before the jury deliberated, in the judge's explanations of their choices for cause of death, the judge appeared to blatantly advise them to choose death by misadventure, which is what ultimately happened. It was like he led them directly to the verdict the government wanted them to pick. On top of that, Polly believed the courts had ignored the clear cause of Bruce's death, an operation the actor underwent shortly before his demise. Months prior to July 20th, Bruce watched one of his films on the big screen and saw something he didn't like sweat stains under his armpits. He thought they looked ugly and betrayed his image as a movie star. So he had a surgery to remove his sweat glands in the area. Procedures like this can carry serious risks and side effects. They can cause low blood pressure and nerve damage. Bruce wanted to do it for cosmetic purposes, but his choice may have had deadly consequences. Shortly after the gland removal, Bruce collapsed during his dubbing session for Enter the Dragon. That's when doctors believed he'd suffered a random seizure. But Polly disagreed with this diagnosis. He mentioned how the audio engineers turned off the air conditioning during the recording. Afterwards, Bruce felt faint, vomited, and reportedly had a high fever, all of which are symptoms of heat stroke. When the temperature rose in the studio, Bruce's glands would have worked to exude sweat and cool down his body. But with them gone, the heat overwhelmed him, gave him a fever, and caused him to have a seizure-like reaction. On the afternoon of his death, the actor faced similarly hot conditions. According to weather reports, July 20th, 1973, was the hottest day of that month in Hong Kong. That day, Bruce grew dizzy as he demonstrated a kung fu scene from Game of Death in Betty's apartment. Later, he complained of a headache, one of the most common symptoms of the condition. According to the Mayo Clinic, if left untreated, heat stroke can cause swelling in a person's vital organs leading to permanent damage or even be fatal. 
Polly believes that without the proper medical attention, Bruce's body couldn't fight back, and eventually, the swelling killed him in his sleep. I agree with Bruce's biographer on a few points. Mostly, I find it hard to believe that a world-renowned martial artist suddenly developed an allergy to pain relief medication. I agree. After all, he'd reportedly taken the pills before. If he were allergic, he probably would have known much sooner. I also think there's a lot of merit to Polly's heat stroke hypothesis. Between his sweat gland procedure, the temperature on July 20th, and Bruce's symptoms, I'm going to give this theory a 7 out of 10. I agree, especially because heat stroke can sometimes be hard to detect in an autopsy. It usually presents itself through the swelling of organs, which in Bruce's case was his brain and the cerebral edema. It's very possible that the sweat gland procedure, not the pills, was what ended Bruce Lee's life. Although we'll probably never know for sure. For that reason, I'm going to give this theory a 6 out of 10. Ironically, after his death, Bruce went from niche martial arts superstar to a global icon. Following his passing, many of the actor's films turned a profit. Some made millions of dollars. His untimely death only added to his superstar legacy. He may not have been alive to see his dream come true, but he achieved it all the same. In the end, Bruce Lee did become one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. For more information on the death of Bruce Lee, amongst the many sources we used, we found Matthew Polly's book, Bruce Lee, A Life, extremely helpful to our research. We'll be back next time with a new episode. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kotovich. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Alex Bernard, with writing assistance by Ben Hanani and Lori Gottlieb. Fact-checking by Lori Siegel, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. Their names have become larger than life. Their crimes, some of the most heinous in history. Their stories, examined each week on the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, journey past the headlines and into the minds and motives of the murderers who forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify.